Yeah. yeah. Hey, we're back. Yes, we are. Just the two of us, though. <laughs> just you and me, myself and I. Yeah. yeah. That's just the four of us. Yeah. Yeah. So, George, uh, Hoover has halted all self-driving vehicles in its fleet after a woman uh, in Ooh. Arizona died after being hit Sunday night. Uber? Uber had oh. was testing their vehicles in Arizona. Uh, and welcome to another edition of Sounds from the Street. I'm your humble host, DJ Aisha, just solo for now. Uh, my intern, Paolo, is on his way, so don't you worry. <laughs> Excited to have him. Um, it's been a couple weeks since I've been in the studio. There's been a lot going on personally, and there's been a lot going on, you know, just in the world. So um, I guess I'll just fill you in. So uh, the last show I did was a tribute to the San Francisco uh, Film Festival, which was almost a month ago, and it was an amazing experience. And you got to hear some of the great interviews that I did with Catherine Gunn, Martin Bright, who are the subjects for the film Official Secrets, which is, I think, going to have a official release in August, um, Echo in the Canyon. Uh, is also uh, touring and getting a uh, they're doing a screening I think in Los Angeles next week I think it's already sold out um, but anyways it might get a, a bigger release later on uh, show me the picture also making the rounds definitely worth seeing a great great film about San Francisco music photographer Jim Marshall and uh, the Miles Davis biopic uh, as well uh, based on, you know, named after his infamous album, Birth of the Cool. Definitely want to go check that out as well. Um, it was kind of a crazy couple of weeks for me, but now things are kind of leveling out. Just been, I went to Los Angeles to visit my family. Kind of emotional for me, just for you know, different reasons. But um, I got to see Bikini Kill for the first time, and that was amazing. Actually, the lineup there was pretty good. It was uh, Le Boucheret's opening. Uh, got there. The line, I kid you not, was around the block at the Palladium, and I hadn't been there in like 15 years, so that was pretty fun, just, you know, mingling with random people. Uh, a lot of different age groups were there. It wasn't just, you know, that's kind of the whole thing about, you know, feminism and riot girl and people who are, you know, aware of that kind of music per se. It was just pretty amazing to, you know, see people get there early to see the Boucherettes who are, uh, you know, a band that I've been following the past couple of years since I saw them open for the Stooges. <laughs> um, so and they've been, you know, making the rounds the last couple of years. So that was pretty amazing. And she's, you know, covered Bikini Kill as well. So it was, I guess, a matter of time before they actually, uh, you know, played a couple shows together. Um, and then Alice Bag uh, from the Bags, uh, she came out on stage and sang a, a new collaboration that she did with Terry. Um, you can find all of that on, um, you know, Facebook, YouTube. Um, it's been making the rounds on social media so definitely go check that out i'm going to be interviewing alice again in a couple weeks she's going to be playing a show at 924 gilman street in berkeley and that's going to be at the end of the summer so you want to stay tuned for that um, there's, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of things going on this summer, so I'm going to be pretty busy, you know, going to a couple of shows and doing some interviews here and there. So you want to stay tuned for that. 
but again it was you know it was an amazing show um just to you know be there and hoping that you know they'll do a full tour eventually but just in case just in case guys you never know what can happen so I was like okay gotta make the trip make it happen and uh, it was not disappointing lot of energy uh if you missed them in los angeles they're going to be playing in new york i think at the end of the month and then they're going to be in london at the beginning of june so definitely you know go to the social media sites (laughs) and figure out a way to to get there because if you missed him in la you really missed out and um yeah so i'm trying to think what else has been going on you know in the news there's been a lot of um, you know, laws, uh, really harsh, uh, laws limiting abortion for women. So I'm doing a, a tangent here. Um, but I think it's important to, uh, talk about it because if you don't say anything, then it's almost like you're being complicit. So here I am tooting my horn and do whatever you can to support your local Congress people, uh, make sure that you go out and vote when you have the chance. You know, we have the 2020 election coming up. So do what you can. Watch the debates. Figure out. I already know who I'm voting for, but you definitely want to watch the debates and, you know, see who who kind of speaks to you and who speaks to your values. And I hope to God it isn't Donald Trump by now. I mean, if it is, uh, you know, good luck to you out there in the scheme of things. But um, I think there's some really important things that we have to look at. Um, I would say Elizabeth Warren is definitely my first choice. Um, I did a, a event here at the station a couple of weeks ago, and it did give me a lot of hope. It did give me some inspiration. Um, you know, a lot of, it was interesting, a lot of men actually showed up and, you know, were voicing why they supported Elizabeth Warren. Um, I'd like to see, um, you know, around the country, there's a lot of men and women who support her. But um, I'd like to hear more women support her, you know, here in San Francisco, or as they say, we're kind of in Kamala Harris territory. I actually do like her as a candidate as well. I'd say Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders is my second choice. Uh, Kamala Harris would be my third, and then probably uh, Pete Buttigieg would be my fourth choice after that. But then again, I'm curious to see how the debates are going to go. They're actually going to be on my birthday (laughs) of all days. It's actually because there's so many candidates now. I think there's 23. They're going to have, they're going to be holding the debates over two days, uh, the 27th and the 28th of June. I have no idea what I'm going to be doing on those two days. I might be traveling. I might not be traveling, but I will definitely be recording and, you know, watching the debates as soon as possible. Because again, I think there's a lot at stake in 2020. Um, I am worried. I am worried. I am paranoid. Um, you know, it's, I'm not, and I'm not just thinking about myself. I'm thinking about family. I'm thinking about other people who have been in my life at various times and just how everything is going to be affected by whoever we decide as the president. Because in a way, we're choosing who represents us as a people, as a society. So you really have to think about those sort of things. But, anyways, enough with the politique. 
Um, I will read some stories for you. Um, as you know, Game of Thrones, uh, at least the main show as we know it, is coming to an end. They say uh, that there are going to be some spinoffs, but this is a big one, guys. Um, I've kind of caught on towards the end of things, meaning the past few seasons. Um, I don't know if I'm disappointed. I mean, I definitely think it's entertaining and says a lot, you know, about even though it's kind of a fantasy, you know, in terms of how uh, George R. R. Martin, he wrote the story based on things, loosely based on things that happened in the past. The War of the Roses uh, is one thing that comes to mind. But I think it also, some of it kind of touches on things that are happening now with, you know, politics and, um, you know, things, how the dynamic with, you know, women having more power than they ever have. So it's it's kind of an interesting show. But anyways, uh, based on uh, an article that I found on enemy.com, Game of Thrones showrunners explain why they rarely go on social media to see fans' reactions. <laughs> and as you already know, the monumental series is coming to an end on Sunday. Again, this is enemy.com. The creators of G Game of Thrones have revealed why they tend not to engage with social media while the program airs. Showrunners David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, who this Sunday wave goodbye to their groundbreaking HBO series, have said they are grateful for viewers sharing their reactions, but rarely log on to read them. We don't engage with it all that much, mainly because of the time and energy required to do so, the pair told Rolling Stone. It's gratifying to have people care enough about what you're doing to feel like they need to comment on it in real time. Social media has been central to the way the show has been watched by many people. The show itself is a full-time job, and then some... <laughs> We'll make the best show we know how to make, and we'll hope that people like it, knowing full well they won't be shy about it if they don't. It seems they may not be fully aware, then, of the backlash against season eight. Fans frustrated by the storytelling have attempted to Google bomb the show, while nearly one million people have signed a petition calling for a remake of the final series. Elsewhere in the interview, Weiss and Benioff said they would probably be dealing with the end of the show long after the show is actually over. They said, it's hard to encapsulate 10 years of our lives spent with so many of the best people we know doing something we were all proud to be a part of. Meanwhile, a new fan theory has speculated that Bran Stark is actually evil and is responsible for Daenerys Targaryen's decision to burn down King's Landing in episode 5. In the last Sunday's episode, May 12th, fans watched on in horror as Danny went full Mad Queen, jumping atop Dragon and proceeding to burn the Westerosi capital to the ground. The new theory is a continuation of the idea that Bran has been evil since supposedly coming into contact with the Night King, as the below tweet explains. This is from somebody named Vladimir Furtick. How did the Night King change Craster's babies by touching them? How did he change Viserion by touching it? What did Bloodraven say to Bran Stark in the cave? He touched you. Fully aware of Bran's abilities as the Three-Eyed Raven, it's claiming that the Night King may have used them to his advantage. According to some Redditors, Bran may have warged into Drogon and personally decided to burn King's Landing to the ground. Hmm, I don't know if I agree with that, but I guess we will find out tomorrow. <laughs> uh, tomorrow uh, concludes the season. I mean, the sh entire show, excuse me. May 19th on HBO and Sky Atlantic in the UK. Um, 
I don't know how I feel about it. I've been, I mean, I've been looking forward to the last season and I guess, you know, people are going to feel the way they want to feel about it, but does it really matter how they feel about it? Probably not. Um, it is kind of an entity all of its own. And I think it's going to, honestly, I think it's going to continue. I think it's way too popular and way too successful to completely end. And I guess uh, we'll see what happens. That's kind of what's exciting about the show is not really knowing, um, you know, where it's going to end up. So you want to stay tuned. And let's see another story that I saw in the news having to do with Madonna. She's playing Eurovision and people are uh, other musicians, I guess uh, you could say, are coming out against her performing in Israel because of, you know, the far right wing politicking that's going on. So let's see what Bobby has to say. Um Let's see, Primal Scream frontman Bobby Gillespie calls Madonna a total prostitute, quote-unquote, for performing at Eurovision. Uh, he said it on a program called BBC's Newsnight yesterday. Uh, Primal Scream's Bobby Gillespie has described Madonna as a total prostitute for performing at tonight's Eurovision final in Tel Aviv, Israel. Israel is hosting the event this year after their contestant Netta won last year's competition. Artists including Roger Waters, Peter Gabriel, and Wolf Alice signed an open letter earlier this year calling for the event to be boycotted and for the BBC's coverage of the event to be canceled. Speaking to Kirsty Wark, uh, Gillespie said, Madonna would do anything for money, you know, she's a total prostitute, and I've got nothing against prostitutes. I think the whole thing is set up to normalize the state of Israel and its disgraceful treatment of the Palestinian people. By going to perform in Israel, what you do is you normalize that. Primal Scream would never perform in Israel. I think Madonna is just desperate for publicity, desperate for the money. They pay very, very well. You can see the interview here. They have it on um, through enemy.com, and I actually saw it on Facebook. Gillespie added that the state sits on stolen land and said he wasn't anti-Semitic, adding that many of his heroes were Jewish. Earlier this week, Madonna said she would never stop playing music to suit someone's political agenda, adding that she wouldn't stop speaking out against violations of human rights wherever in the world they may be. My heart breaks every time I hear about the innocent lives that are lost in this region and the violence that is so often perpetuated to suit the political goals of people who benefit from this ancient conflict, she continued. I hope and pray that we will soon break free from this terrible cycle of destruction and create a new path towards peace. The conflict between Palestine and Israel has seen a number of artists, including Lena Del Rey and Lord, cancel scheduled performances in the country following pressure from protesters. However, Nick Cave and the Bad Seats and Radiohead have both refused to pull out of shows in Israel in recent years, with Tom York arguing that playing a country isn't the same as endorsing its government. Mm. I mean, that's kind of true, but enemy is con contacted representatives of Madonna for comment and I kind of agree with that lot both sides actually I mean that would be like saying I'm not going to play in the United States because I don't agree with Donald Trump and can you really blame them no not really I mean that would be like going to uh, Iran or Iraq or a country that we might be going to war with or Syria playing a show there and you know, not necessarily agreeing with the politics there, uh, but you want to, 
you know, you want to get your music out there, get some exposure. But I have to say, I also agree with, uh, you know, Roger Waters and Bobby Gillespie, because I don't agree with what's going on either. I mean, I don't think that, um, you know, people have to die, um, you know, just so they can live. They shouldn't, you know, the creation of Israel was on, you know, Palestinian territory, as they say, kind of like the United States was created on Indian territory. You know, we'd like to say that we worked it out with them, but in reality, we just destroyed their way of life and making it okay by, uh, you know, putting them in reservations, quote unquote, and just causing a lot of problems, not just with Indians, but, you know, Mexicans, Mexican who became, because we are also, the United States used to be a part of Mexico, um, you know, just, just that whole thing. It's, I feel like it's all kind of related and, you know, people in Scotland, you know, the history of the United Kingdom uh, Scotland versus England and pretty much, you know, the, the British, um, you know, colonizing and, uh, terrorizing, uh, you know, the Scottish people. I mean, it's, it's really terrible. Um, the, the world history that we have, uh, no matter what country you're talking about, but, um, I don't know. I think we can we can voice our opinions. We can have discussions about what we're going to do. But I wouldn't go to Israel either, to be honest with you. I wouldn't go until they outright say, you know, this isn't right, and we're going to figure out a solution to this problem so that people can get along. Uh, but but then again, we have a lot of issues here in the United States that we need to figure out. And um, hopefully we're going to figure it out uh, sooner rather than later. That's all I can say. And, uh, you know, make, make sure that you watch the debates coming up. It's going to be really, really imperative and really, really important. And shouldn't be really be, I don't think it's shocking, anything that's going on anymore, unfortunately. But that doesn't mean that we can, um, you know, make some changes, Um make sure that we make our our voices heard there's a lot of protests there there has been a lot of protests the past couple of years i've gone to a few of them uh mainly the the women's march that's been one that i've attended every year since its inception and there's some other ones you know there's uh march for our lives excuse me there's uh they're going to be going to the twitter headquarters in san francisco and new york on Monday, actually, I might try to attend that if weather permits, you know, anything like that where you can kind of make your voice heard and just say, you know, enough is enough, pretty much. I didn't agree to this. I didn't sign up for this. And now we're kind of in the middle of this Twitter, Twitter catastrophe (laughs) with our president. I was just watching a story about it and it's pretty interesting. You know, just kind of putting things out there and, and seeing what sticks. I don't think that's a great way to to run things. It's one thing if you have a brand and if you're, you know, an entertainer, an actor, a musician, that's one thing. But if you're the president of the United States, I think that's, that's something else. You got to stick to some kind of precedent and not just make it up as you go along. 
But anyways, um, I'm going to be airing some interviews today that I did uh, about nine months ago. (laughs) And I apologize that it's taken this long. Um, My friend Johnny and I, we went to uh, 80s Festival at the Mountain Winery. I believe it was Labor Day last year, and I was able to get some great interviews with uh, A Flock of Seagulls, Drama Rama, Wang Chung, some really big names from back then. And uh, they're doing this Lost 80s tour. They've been doing it the past couple of years and seems to be really popular. Uh, Johnny and I went last year and we were amazed. Um, you know, there was a lot of people there bringing your families. And we were pretty close to the stage, too. Uh, we got to see Annabella Lewin, Wang Chung, some other bands. We, we couldn't remember their names. Um, but then when we saw them, we were like, oh, yeah, Animotion was another one where we were like, who, who are they? <laughs> and, um, you know, Drama Rama. We'd seen Wang Chung before, uh, so that wasn't as surprising. But seeing a flock of seagulls was something we thought we would never see. So that was pretty amazing. Uh, not going to lie. And we saw missing persons. I'd seen them before, but that was cool to see them again. So you'll want to stay tuned for those. And we'll see where else uh, the night takes us. Oh, and also, um, I hope to uh, later tonight be uh, finally seeing the Dandy Warhols. I'm pretty excited to see them live. Um, So hopefully um, I'll have a review for you shortly thereafter. Stay tuned for more Mutiny Radio. numbers start to add up you're like wow i can't believe it's been 20 years since this or 
30 mm-hmm. years since that, you know? Right. And you it's, guys, harder to ima- it's harder to imagine when you're in your 20s to imagine 30 <laughs> years, but uh, oh. but then it gets it catches up with you. Absolutely. And it goes faster and faster and faster. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you guys are doing an extensive tour with Lost 80s Live. Tell me a little bit more about how that came into fruition. Yeah, I was going to say that in addition to doing our own shows and, and still, you know, writing and recording new, new music. Uh, mm-hmm. We're also part of the big 80s thing that's going on in, a, in the world, nostalgia for the 80s, and uh, never expected to be a part of a nostalgia or, a, or, or, you know, a flashback kind of a thing, but it's uh, we're really lucky to, to be a part of that, so we're, we're more than happy to go and, and, and play those shows. Awesome. And you're going to be playing up in Saratoga. You're going to be at the Mountain Winery? Yes. Yes, it's very nice. And um, that seems to be a recurring thing now, right? I feel like they do it maybe once a year or every few years now. I've been there once before, but I think it might be a yearly thing with them. And we don't, we haven't done every, every Las Vegas show over the years. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, we did it with them two years ago, and now we're doing it again this year. Right on. And you're going to be there on September 1st, which is Labor Day weekend, so there's really no reason for people not to go. No, you'll have have two days off after. Mm -hmm. I think we're playing Saturday in in Mount View and then uh, the Mountain Winery, whatever. Saratoga. (laughs) But, um. Yeah, no, I was going to say Mountain View, but there's another place called Mountain View, which is near there, so I don't want to get confused. Yeah, it's called the Mountain Winery, and it's in Saratoga. It's very nice. Very nice venue. So I'm sure that people can get their whining and dining on? (laughs) Yeah, it's a neat neat place. It is actually a a vineyard, I guess, of some sort. There's all kinds of uh, um, great vines. It's up at the top of a mountain. It's really nice. Mm, it sounds like my ideal scenario. A little bit of you music. Would, you wouldn't. Yeah, well, there you go. You, you, it's, it's a beautiful setting. It is. Mm-hmm. And if people want to find out more about Dramarama online or any of your projects, um, what would be the best place for them to look? Well, we only just recently got a real website going, uh, and it's. Uh, thedramarama.com mm-hmm. you got to leave that T-H-E in there otherwise because we don't want you to be confused with all the other dramaramas there are there's a TV show and there's this oh. Korean band has a song called Dramarama and it's a popular word which uh, when I when we when we used it to name the band back in the 80s we didn't mm-hmm. I'd never heard it um, uh, used other than in people amongst people who who were in the theater or uh, acting and, and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But it's grown, and uh, in, in, in more people know the word now. Absolutely. And how would you say the music has changed over the years? How would you, you know, compare to the sound of the band now? Well, in concert, I think we're, we're a much, much better band. I think we've, we've like a fine wine, we, we, we improve with age. And uh, and um, also it has a lot to do with the fact that I, I, I wasn't the most sober individual 
mm-hmm. way back in the day. And uh, I also had that Jim Morrison complex of, of whatever you want, whatever I want is what you get, you know. So uh, I, I could go up there and be, you know, barely standing up, you know, uh, certainly unable to walk a straight line or pass a field sobriety test. But that wouldn't prevent me from, you know, doing the show and subjecting the audience to my, you know, whims. And uh, now I, I think when I, before, I, uh, first of all, I, I, I don't get drunk if, or, or, you know, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not like that anymore. And I also have the audience's best interests in mind, whereas I, before it was just me, 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 me. Mm-hmm. Times have changed. But for yes, the, for the and better. so have I, and so have I, yes, both for the better. Did you guys ever cover the doors, or...? Uh, just in the garage or whatever. Never, never made a record with a door song. Oh, but I just meant that attitude of you know, mm-hmm. me, myself, and I. You know, and if I'm going to be, if I feel like tripping on acid, that's what that's. I'm still going to, you know, that's what I'm going to do before the show. And you're too bad mm-hmm. for the audience. That's what they get that night. Right. Right. Yeah. And um, so, what can people expect in terms of like the set list? Um, any surprises in there? I kind of doubt it. We're going to stick with the tried and true, you know, the, the best known songs. Because at those Los Angeles shows, you don't really get to do a, a full concert. You you only get to do, um, you know, uh, yeah, you get a little portion of, of the evening. So, so it's 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 mm-hmm. all you know, it, it. You have to be, you know, you have to be do what 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 they came for, and then also the audiences at those. Concerts, if they know who Dramarama is, I'm surprised in a way sometimes. Huh. Uh, and at the same time, uh, we're trying to, you know, introduce them. It's more like, here, here, introduce the band or, you know, the best of Dramarama, you know, in, 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 a, in a short burst rather than, you know, a regular concert, you know, where we'll play an hour and a half and, and, and bounce around and play songs off all our records and new songs and other stuff too. So we won't have the, we won't have the opportunity to be as, expansive as we would do, say, at a nightclub in, in San Francisco versus, mm. you know, a slot on the Lost 80s tour. Got it. And what is it like to play with bands like A Flock of Seagulls, Wang Chung, all the great It's bands. very strange to me because, uh, you know, I listen to all them <laughs> on the radio and, you know, I don't I don't think of myself or, or my band as being in the same league as 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 a lot of these other guys, you know, it's a good, you know, but, and, and I guess we are, but, but it's not, you know, it's not false modesty or whatever. It's just, I don't, I, I, I don't like to think of myself. I don't like to be, be conceited. I don't, I don't want to be that guy, you know, too pretentious. And, and, and I've known too many guys in bands who that's all they think about is their band and all they talk about is their band and, right. and, and all they think about is, yeah. So, mm-hmm. I, I just—it's hard for me to believe, but at the same time, I'm—I'm I'm really grateful for the opportunity. Awesome. And who would you say are your biggest musical influences besides Jim Morrison? No, he wasn't my musical influence. It's just—I just use it to describe the, you know, the selfish aspect of 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 being a singer, you know, and 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 yeah, I know there. I know for a fact there were some shows that he, that that he did not do his best at because he was uh, you know inebriated and I know that I did the same thing back in the day but um, mm-hmm. I don't think that's 
that's that's no longer a risk. So that's cool. Um, David Bowie, uh, first and foremost, and above and beyond all all others, I'd say. Um, when I grew up, I loved the Beatles and the Monkeys, and, and and well, first it was the Monkeys when I was like five, and then after that it was the Beatles, and then uh, after that it was you know the, the other British invasion bands like the Who and the Kinks and the Stones and whatnot. But um, then Bowie came along, and, and that was that. And uh, not just Bowie, but the, the bands that Bowie championed, like Mata Hoople or Iggy Pop or, uh, you know, Lou Reed, people that, you know, wouldn't have, wouldn't really be known in America hardly if it wasn't for them, wasn't for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, so a lot of that kind of stuff, you know. And then punk rock came, and I, and I like, uh, and then I, then I started writing my own stuff. Uh, you know, punk rock was 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 good because it showed me that I didn't have to go to music school and uh, you know be really educated musically to be uh, a musician. <laughs> <laughs> well, those are all the bands I listen to, so check. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's good. And where do you see the band going in the next few years? Honest to goodness, I'm surprised we're still <clears throat> rolling, and uh, we do have. New recordings. Uh, we, we put out an album, gosh, back in 2005, mm-hmm. and we, we, soon after we started working on another one. But it, one thing and another, and the the, uh, the 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 fact that the, the music business has kind of died down, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, has, has has softened my enthusiasm for putting out new music. Um, we were we were uh, affiliated. Our last album we put out with with the help of Tower Records, and then they went out of business. And and between oh, that, man. between that and just the overall, just the, the state of the industry kind of kind of put a damper on my on my enthusiasm for right. for releasing new music. But but now I was even just yesterday talking to somebody who was really excited about putting out some new music from us and helping us with it, and. Um, and we're looking forward to doing that. And who knows? By the time we, uh, by the time we roll into to the Mount Winery, there might be a, a new song available for people to listen to. Awesome! Well, that sounds really exciting. And again, you guys are going to be playing September first at yes. the Lost Eighties uh, Music Festival at the Mountain Winery in Saratoga. And we're really looking forward to it. We really are too. We're we're we're, we're always excited to be anywhere. <laughs> no, seriously, especially you know, when when you're when you're twenty something and you start a band, you don't expect, mm-hmm. you know, you don't you, you don't you don't know if you're going to last five years, much less you know twenty five years or or, in our case, uh, thirty. This would be like thirty six years, nice. you know, that the band mm-hmm. since the band first got together. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, almost half of a lifetime. Maybe yeah, not. more than half, more than half my life. <laughs> yeah, although I did take a we did take a little ten year break in the middle. So, gotcha. but still, at that point, we've I never expected to do it again, much less be doing it again for fifteen years. So we're, we're lucky. Well, we're Very glad lucky. to have you, and um, thanks so much for taking the time today. It was a pleasure. It was my pleasure. And um, looking forward to Lost Eighties. Right on. All right, well, have a great rest of your day. Um, What's the name of your station? 
Oh, it's called uh, Mutiny Radio, and uh, we're located... What kind of radio? I'm sorry, say it again. Oh, it's called uh, Mutiny Radio. Like mutiny, mutiny. like like mutiny on the bounty, yeah. Exactly, and um, we're a community um, community sponsored radio station. Me, mm. yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you. All right. Well, uh, are you still recording? You. I sure am. Okay, let me <laughs> let me. Let me I'll, I'll do a, I'll do a quick ID for you then. Okay. Awesome. Hi, hey, hi there, everybody. Hello, everybody out there in Radio Land. This is John Easdale from Drama Rama. And you're listening to Mutiny Radio. Awesome. Thanks so much, John. Not at all. Thank you for asking. All right. And when when will this run? Back closer to the um, show? Yeah, probably another month or so. Just yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. We should talk. We should talk. That's a little embarrassing, actually, because I was supposed to air the interview back in August of last year. <laughs> Such a he was he was one of it's so funny when I think back to doing the interview you know with different people that you interview you have a a good feeling about it you have a negative feeling about it and he was so nice and genuine so when I think about doing the interview I'm like I wish every interview was like that how are you doing fishy good 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 this is <laughs> hey guys this is Paolo this is Paolo of the Hear Me On podcast here hanging out at oh, Sounds yeah. from the Street with. Asia Spearman. And is this your second favorite podcast of all time? Yeah, actually, well, my palate's pretty uh, blank, but I need to spend more time listening to other people's podcasts. And yeah, I think it's you'll get you get a lot of inspiration from other people, but you don't realize it till later. You're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I totally am feeling that. And I like how somebody left an umbrella here for us in case we needed it. That was really thoughtful. Whoever wow, did yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, how's your how's your uh, rainy Saturday going? Uh, good, actually. Uh, I was at a Warriors game two days ago, and they oh, right they on. gave out Google Home Minis to everyone in the stadium. So, I've been using that Fuck. thing. Yeah. How do you get tickets to the Warriors? You just buy it. Are they expensive? Yeah, pretty expensive. Uh. Yeah. That's why I have not yet been to a game. I've been to concerts there, though. Oh, wait, are they still Oracle, at, yep. They're still at Oracle? Uh, for the remaining of the season, yeah. Gotcha. And then they're going to be at the Chase Center? Burr. Yep. Is that what it is? Chase Center. I do. I'm not going to lie. I do want to go see Elton John, and I'm really considering buying a ticket if they're still available. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're going to have, you know, the Warriors are going to play there. The big, you know, concert names are going to be there. The Who's going to be playing there later this year. Is it? I don't think it's open yet, is it? It's uh, December. I think uh, around December, the Warriors, the Chase Arena will be opening. Gotcha. I think you're right. So many venues. (laughs) That's exciting, though. And did the Warriors, the Warriors won, right? Yeah, it's 2-0 currently. I think they play tonight. Woohoo! Are you going to that game too? No, 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 no. <laughs> that would be nice. Season tickets. Yep. Super rad. I'm actually going to a show uh, later tonight at the Fillmore. I'm pretty excited about it. Oh, great! Which, which um, one? I don't know if you remember a band from the late '90s, early 2000s. They're called the Dandy Warhols. They did the 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 theme song for that one show. God, I'm gonna Veronica Mars. It was she was kind of like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but not really. She was more of the detective. 
and even that show's making a comeback. It's going to be on Hulu, apparently, because mm, people cool. are like, I love this show. <clears throat> I liked it, but my friend, she she got me into it, so I was like, fine, I'll watch it. But it was actually a pretty good show. Chris, yep. Kristen Bell plays the Veronica Mars. Oh, the, the skinny blonde. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. She was in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. That was like her film debut. And now she's, I think she's mostly in TV now, but whatever good for her anyways that's gonna be tonight at the Fillmore and I don't think it's sold out so you could probably still get tickets for that and I just aired my interview I did with John from Dramarama uh, this was last year and I think they might be playing the same festival it's gonna be uh, is it Labor Day weekend it's either late August or early September so I'm guessing it's Labor Day weekend right 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 um, and what it is is all these bands from the 80s that you remember Flock of Seagulls Wing Chung Dramarama they all get together and play this festival because they know people are gonna be like yes we want the 80s back <laughs> musically speaking Right. So um, my friend Johnny and I got tickets to go last year, and it was super fun. We saw a lot of big names, people that I'd seen before, bands that I'd never seen before. So I was somehow able to get a few of these interviews going. So um, here's another one that, that I did with Nick from Wang Chung. Oh, it's still downloading. <laughs> <laughs> Buffering. Nick, are you still with me? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm still with you. Woohoo! Awesome. So tell me a little bit about um, the last 80s tour and um, how you guys got involved with that. The last 80s tour is something we've, we've done actually every year now for quite a few years. Uh, mm-hmm. It's... Uh, it's a multi-band sort of sort of extravaganza of eighties music. Um, uh, so and it's got bigger and bigger since we've been doing it. Um, so like this year, I think it's the biggest one yet. I think we're doing about twenty-five, twenty-six gigs, something like that, uh, to really big, sort of quite big venues. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone does, you know, not their full set. They'll do minutes half an hour that kind of thing some people do less but yeah it's fun um crowds are very appreciative um and uh yeah we have a really good time so and here we are again doing it. right <laughs> yeah and it's uh, to be a really good lineup as well how do they how do you guys make contact with the other groups in order to make this tour happen well, this, this tour is put together by uh, a guy called Rob Juarez, who's uh, of the Boss Agency. So he kind of coordinates the whole thing. He's been our agent for many years. So, uh, and so he tends to obviously want to put us on. We always give the audience a good time. So they have to play Wayne Chung tonight, you know. So, um, but that's why, that's how all the bands come together. Uh, occasionally, like Wang Chan worked very closely with Cutting Crew, the band Cutting Crew. So, mm-hmm. like last year, we toured together. We sort of played on each other's uh, music, uh, on each other's sets. So, we play, we literally kind of merged our two bands. Um, but uh, so we got Cutting Crew on that bill. But apart from that, uh, I think Rob kind of pulls everything together. 
What is your fondest memory of playing in the Bay Area? Sorry, say that again. Oh, I was going to say, what was was your favorite venue that you've played in the Bay Area in recent years? Oh, God, I'm sorry, I I can't hear you. It's still coming in and out. Can you say that again? Sure. That's okay. Um, So what is your fondest memory of playing in San Francisco Bay Area? What's my, what's my memory of it? Is that what you said? Of playing yeah. in that area? Right. Did you say that? Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that area very much. Uh, played there many times in different places. I remember playing back in the 80s. We did, uh, we played with the cars at the Cow Palace, I think it was, in San Francisco. We played uh, all different types of places in that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, I think it's so beautiful there. I absolutely love it. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, and the mountain winery, I think that's what you're specifically you're, mm-hmm. you're playing in that area, isn't it? Which I, that's one of my favorite venues of oh. all, you know, I've ever played in. Mm-hmm. The audiences are really responsive. It's absolutely beautiful. Uh, there's something about it that's just uh, stunning, you know, so... That, that's something I always look forward to, the place I always look forward to playing. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And where can people find out more about you guys online? What would be the best website to check? What, what was the best, what's the best website to check for this tour? Is that what you're asking me? Yes. I can't hear you very well. Oh, it's at lost80slive.com. That's the best one. Just go online. All the data up on that. So that's the best way to And what can people expect to hear in terms of set lists? Like is it mostly gonna be um kind of a variety of songs or is there anything in particular that they can look forward to? Well, from us, from Wang Chung you're talking about. Right. Uh, for Wang Chung we're gonna obviously we're gonna stick to our hits. So, so for these shows, for these sort of shows, um, you've got to, you know, you play your big hit. That's what people come for. They want to play song, you hear songs from the 80s. So we're going to do those. But we've got a little surprise in there. We've got something we've never done before in America. Uh-huh. Where we tried uh, in Canada, actually. I'm not going to tell you what it is. But it's <laughs> a bit of fun. Uh, so it's a little extra thing that we have never done before on this tour. So... And hopefully, it went down a great in, in Canada. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping uh, the, the audiences enjoy it here in, in the US. <laughs> so, but that's a little exclusive for you, but I'm not telling you what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so exclusive, yeah, it's not. <laughs> well, that's something that looks like. Yeah, not, yeah, it's just not. <laughs> I love it's, that. It's a little joke. It's a little joke. It's like telling you. The punchline of something before, right? You know, right. before I tell you the joke, so right? I don't, I'll just sort of you know, hopefully. Are you coming to the mountain winery? <laughs> I I sure am. <laughs> now I have to find okay, out the cool. answer. <laughs> it's like uh, the, maybe <laughs> you'll be like, "What? What's funny about that? <laughs> what are you want about?" Yeah. <laughs> well, now it's like oh, I have to figure it out. I can't not know what the what the surprise <laughs> <No>. is. <laughs> That's 
awesome. it's pretty obvious, actually. Don't worry, don't worry about it. It'd be obvious. <laughs> That's if we've got the time to play it. I mean, some of the gigs, we can only get a short set, so mm. you have to decide what you're going to do. But, uh, but if we've got the time, we will definitely do it. Okay? Right. Yes, absolutely. So tell me a little bit more... <laughs> Tell me a little bit more what, about what inspired you to become a musician. What inspired me to what, sorry? Oh, um, what inspired you? Tell you what inspired me to... Mm -hmm. to, to get into music? Oh, to get into music. Mm -hmm. uh, what inspired me to get into music was, funnily enough, music. You know, I loved... Uh, the Beatles were masses. A massive influence on, on me. I absolutely loved them uh, from a very young age. You know, um, so that, they were the initial sort of inspiration. And um, then I've seen Led Zeppelin at the age of uh, 14 years old. Uh, was my first kind of rock, heavy rock gig, mm -hmm. underground music, as it was called then, which literally <laughs> blew my mind. Um, yeah. Um, so the combination of that, and I'm seeing the Rolling Stones actually when I was about eight. I saw them play in London. Uh, so my eighth or ninth birthday, something like that. Uh, so Lucky. these were two moments, of, uh, <laughs> you know, for me. Uh, and, and then you know, just a total love of music. Um, it took me a while to to get proficient on the guitar. Mm -hmm. I took that up quite late. And then felt that I was just would never be able to learn, so I kind of gave, almost gave up a few times. And then mm -hmm. until one day, I sort of realised that actually, yeah, I think you sort of can play a little bit. And then uh, I, I sort of found a mind from school who could play, and who shared a lot of my sort of musical passions. Um, we used to just jam together, you know, and. I really learned a hell of a lot what playing with him, and it was so, it sort of, you know, it was kind of quite creative stuff that we were doing. So uh, I think that's what kind of got me on the road to actually doing it properly, you know? Mm hmm, mm hmm. And then I've done a little bit of research, and I'm sure you get, answered, you get asked this question a lot the name of the group. Yeah. How did that come about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most asked question since the beginning of time and in Norway. Uh, it's our fault. We shouldn't have thought of that stupid name for our, for our band. It's our fault. And um, it, it actually is quite it's quite interesting in a way what, what mm -hmm. the, the name itself. It, it, it's sort of uh, Jack Mankind was reading a book about the German electronic composer. Stockhausen, ah. Hans Stockhausen, mm -hmm. and um, there was a footnote in one of the paragraphs about this thing called Wang Zhang, which basically means kind of perfect pitch in Chinese music, and uh, and he kind of I don't know what made him think that would be a good name to the band, but but he kind of sheepishly put it to me. Thinking that I would say, you've got to be joking, man, that's terrible. And, and I really liked it. I don't know why. Something that did appeal to me. You know? mm -hmm. So he was quite amazed by that, and we decided to go with it. So it sort of sounded, it had a, a kind of quite a, 
a deep meaning, that kind of, you know, perfect harmony in, in music. But also, it had a slightly more trashy reading. Of, it sounded like the guitar, you know, the wang, chong. So it sort of had a kind of silly meaning as well as a deeper meaning. Which a, bit, a bit like wang chung, a bit like our music. It's music can be quite silly, but quite deep as well. So um, it seems quite a good way of uh, representing us. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talked about the Beatles, or you mentioned them a little bit earlier. You guys actually recorded yeah. at Abbey Road Studios, is that right? That's right, yeah, they did. Which is amazing for us, you know, as uh, Wayne Chung fan. So Jack is uh, just as big a Wayne, uh, big, not Wayne Chung fan, so Beatles fans. Um, Jack is a big, as big a Beatles fan as me. So to be able to record at Abbey Road, and not only that, but in Studio 2, where they did all their, you know, the actual studio at the same room, and, and on the same mixing desk as well, which at that time, it, you know, Abbey Road hadn't been uh, refurbished. So it was still, it was a bit kind of run down, actually. But uh, So everything was the same, and the, the desk was the same. All the, some of the equipment was, was the original equipment, slightly out of date. But, uh, so for us, that was added to the magic of being there, you know. Um, and then uh, the best bit of all for me was, uh, you know, I'm a left-handed bass player, so... And on dancehall days, you know, my bass uh, wasn't sounding quite right. We, we needed to get hold of another left-handed bass from somewhere. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, engine, the engineer goes off and he said, I've got an idea. I, I know where I can get one. So he goes off and the next minute, um, this guy walks in holding a left-handed bass, mm-hmm. saying he's from the bass rental company. And it was actually Paul McCartney himself, you know, so he basically lent me, Paul McCartney lent me his bass to play on Dance All Days, you know. Oh. So that was, that was kind of amazing. <laughs> I, I, never, I was so excited and so I literally speechless. I couldn't speak, you know. But it was our first hit record, so I guess mm-hmm. his bass brought us good luck. You know? Yeah. And you guys, um, you guys have had a good run in the States over the years as well. What do you think about your mm-hmm. music resonates with, you know, the U.S.? And, um, you know, what what is something what, that why do I think on? It, why do I think it? Mm-hmm. Why do I think it resonates in the U.S.? Is, is that what you just said? Yeah. Is that what you just said? Yes. Yeah. Um, why do I think it does? I think partly because. I think Jack and I are big lovers of American music. Mm-hmm. I mean, we love, obviously, Beatles, and we love a lot, many things in the UK, but we mm-hmm. also loved American music. Um, so I think it was in our sort of DNA, if you like, uh, a bit. So I think we would naturally express our music in, um, in terms that maybe might work in America, but without, sort of, not, not in a calculating way at all. It was just natural. You know, mm-hmm. that's point one. Point two, I think Jack's voice is the sort of voice. Some voices that of bands that do well in the UK mm-hmm. don't. You can, I just know when they're not going to work in America. They just aren't the right voice. And and that, there's many examples of that. Um, mm-hmm. But 
with Jack, I think uh, that his voice did work. And it was right for America. So that, that was another thing, you know. Plus, we were very lucky that I think UK bands in the 80s were thinking more creatively in a visual sense. So, so the videos that we were doing, that the UK bands were doing, mm-hmm. were perfect for what you know, the new radio, uh, TV thing of MTV, you know? So, mm-hmm. so I think MTV was sort of, sort of was very happily <coughs> et up all the stuff that was coming from the UK and broadcast it, and that's really helped what was to become the British invasion, you know, of the mm-hmm. 80s of, of the British bands from the UK. Right. So I think those things all together helped us and other 80s bands in the UK to be successful in America. That's awesome. Well, it definitely paid off, right? <laughs> Sorry? It definitely paid off. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't complain. You know, I can't complain. It's amazing that we're still, um, there's anyone still cares. 40, you know, 40 years, 30, 40 years on, it's incredible. Right. I never would have believed that if you, mm. if you told me that back in back in the day. So I feel very lucky to be an old spark, being able to jump around on stage and people still wanting to be entertained. It's, it's very, very gratifying. Absolutely. Well, you're going to be at the Mountain Winery on September 1st in Saratoga. And That's every- what it is. I, I don't know, but I'm sure you probably know better than me. I can't remember what date it is. But. <laughs> it's a Labor Day weekend, so there's no reason for people not to go. Absolutely. The next day, I'll be very upset with them. I'll track every one of them down personally. <laughs> be very close to them if they don't turn up. But they have done in all the previous years we've played there. It's, been, it's always been full, so... Uh, and ha- they're one of the best audiences, I, I think. So awesome. I'm looking forward to that one particularly. Absolutely. Well, I have a non-related Wing Chun question for you. Um, once the band, okay. once the band disbanded, um, you were still involved in music. I mean, you were active as a solo artist, and you also worked at a few different labels. Is that right? I guess I've done various things. I worked for Warner Brothers and for Sony uh, as an A&R man. Mm-hmm. Uh, did that for a long time. Mm-hmm. I've produced other people. I've managed other people. I've, I worked on The Voice, the TV show, The Voice UK. Oh. I did that for five, five seasons. You know, uh-huh. I've done lots of different things. You know, uh, so yeah, I'm kind of seeing the music business from every side, really. Huh. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. And one last question for you. What was it like touring with Tina Turner? What was it like touring with her? Uh, Tina? It was fantastic. And we were playing. <laughs> she, she was wonderful. Um, she was. Uh, we were playing huge places, you know. Uh, <laughs> and the audience, we were all, you know, we were all really successful. So the audience were enjoying us as well, mm-hmm. um, and she, she was terrific. I mean, really admired her. Um, 
I think that was the end of the interview. <laughs> that was a little bit awkward. I'm glad that I was listening because otherwise it would have been like, why is there dead air? Sometimes when you're doing phone interviews, even with all the technology that we have, I don't know, like sometimes they just, you know what, now that we're playing it, I remember, I think I was, you'll be talking to someone and then they'll just disappear. Like it won't be like they hang up. It's like, yep. you know what I mean? Like they ghost yep. you. What kind of mics, by the way, uh, what kind of microphones are these? Because no the clarity and it, it uh, grasps your voice very well like uh they're very wow is it is it the amplifier or the receiver that's good is it a good mic or is it a good uh i'd say it's the microphone because the the, mic yeah this equipment like this board is from 1982 this is pretty new this is less if i take off the phone will it sound different check 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 yeah well that's about the same it's a sure oh sure okay mic SM58, yeah. Those are pretty popular, right? I have a Sennheiser, yeah. These are for, like, live recordings. Oh, nice. Like, live music, yeah. I don't have any complaints, honestly, as long as it works, right? That's from 1982. The board, yeah. They found it on Craigslist, apparently. In the 80s. Um, This has been here since, I want to say 2008, since the Pirate Cat days. Okay. So before my time, actually, it's been here. Um, You know. Sometimes oldie but goodie, but having the up-to-date mics really helps. Yeah, sure. <laughs> this is sure. Sure, microphones. But anyways, um, you're tuning in to Sounds from the Street. I am your humble host, DJ Aisha, and Paolo is here. And what's the name of your podcast? Here and Meow. Sure and Meow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love it. And uh, I was just airing an interview that I did with Nick from Wang Chung, Um and they're going to be, I think they're going to be here again for the last 80s tour. Um, it's that yearly uh, 80s mega tour, I guess you want to call it. There's yep. a few of them, but that one was pretty good, I want to—I have to say. I went to it last year. It was at the Mountain Winery in Saratoga. I've been there, yeah. It's so beautiful. It's like a, it's like a, like in a, like one of those Greek, uh, it's kind of Greek themed. Amphitheater. Amphitheater. That's yeah. the word. Yep. Yeah. Amphitheater. And I want to have dinner there. <laughs> Ooh. We didn't do that last time, but we were just like, we're here. This is amazing. Like, cause we got free yeah. tickets to the show. So we were like, fuck yeah. Um, so that was, uh, Nick from Wing Chung and I'm sure they're going to be back soon. Um, these interviews were done last year. Keep in mind. Uh, so the new tour, I believe is going to be happening this summer or sometime around Labor Day. So you want to check that out online. And I also, uh, aired the interview I did with John, the lead singer from Dramarama, who also has been touring off and on. And, uh, anything else new and exciting? Um, you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> Spent some time in uh, San Diego, so those that's right. Lots of fun. Love San Diego. Did you get to, to catch any rays or waves? Um, yeah. Sometimes I feel like I'm on an island when I'm traveling. I'm just like, really? oh, I'm, I have a, a DSLR and some video equipment. I'm just like, where should I go next? I feel like I'm uh, on a little quest to capture footage. It's fun. I love drone, that. Drone footage. It's great. Oh, yeah. Usually, like, get a rent-a-car and just use my Google Maps to look up stuff. And I love it. Fun. You have a you have your your pirate hat on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> just willing to see what's out there. Um, you know, sometimes not having like a specific itinerary is great and just seeing where you end up. Yep. And that's kind of what I did when I went to San Diego last year or around Christmas time, actually, we went and I was like, this is awesome. I just liked that it wasn't San Francisco. It was nice to be outside of the city and just trying something new and different. Did you go to Coronado? No, that's an island off yes. the coast of San Diego, mm-hmm. but no, didn't see the zoo or go to Coronado. Yeah, the zoo you'd have to do. It's like, very small, very small city. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, I hope to go back. I don't know. Maybe this year, next year. We'll see. Uh, but anyways, um, there's a two-part interview that I did with Mike, the lead singer from A Flock of Seagulls. And it's so funny. I missed Oh, them. I saw that on my Facebook feed. I was like, Flock oh, of you? Seagulls. Mm. <laughs> oh, that was your event. That was your event you posted um, at Mutiny, Flock yeah, of Seagulls. Yeah. Yep. So that was the interview I did for this show. But I didn't know they did another show actually in Potrero Hill a couple weeks ago. Maybe it was a couple months ago. And I, I didn't end up going to that. But that would have been cool similar lineup to lost 80s um but yeah you want to stay tuned for that and uh, stay tuned for more mutiny radio and get it queued up for you guys the best interview is about to begin or not Hello, hello, hello. Hi, how are you? Okay, fine. <laughs> Just blacked out there for a minute. Yeah, it seems to happen a lot these days with technology uh-huh. and, you know, all that jazz. Uh, so anyways, tell me a little bit about uh, what you've been up to recently. Um, it looks like the Lost 80s tour is just taking off. Yeah, we've just done the first two shows of the Lost 80s tour. Both shows have been really good. A lot of fun to play, good act a good show all around um and you know that that's what bands do we go out on the road and we we enjoy playing our guitars and our synths and having a good time it's, uh, it's what we were born to do and to have you guys um in town on september 1st you're going to be playing at the mountain winery yeah and- that's a great place to play you guys been there previously I've played there about three times before, um, so yeah, I know I know about it. Uh, I've actually seen it grow from it's about twice as big now as it was when I first played there. So it's a really you know, and it's in a great, great, um, it's a great like little venue. It's just hard to get to, I suppose. You know, people should make plans ahead of time. It is Labor Day weekend. Uh-huh, that'd be crazy. Um, in, yeah. <laughs> but that's the best time to go out and enjoy yourself and, and see some great bands. It is a great time, but usually on days like that, I like to just lie on the sofa and watch television. Too many people out and about. Right, right. Uh, what are you watching these days? Uh, you know what? My favorite thing to watch is uh, Star Trek Next Generation. I just put that on loop all the time, so it's just on Netflix, just going and going and going. And for some reason, I always find one that I've never seen before. There's there's so much programming now, it's like, it's pretty much endless. 
Yeah, and a lot of it is, uh, I don't know, it seems to be like remakes or it's repetitive or, you know, the story you've seen before, it's just made slightly differently. So there's a lot of sifting through stuff, stuff you like, I think. A little bit more about the new album, Ascension. Uh-huh. I'm missing your question. Um, oh. I don't know. Uh, That's okay. Um, can you give us a little bit of background on how that album came into play? Yeah, I was at home um, basically writing my new album, my solo album, and I got a phone call, and it was from uh, a record company called August Day, and they they basically said to me they had this idea to put orchestra, you know, to to the hits. So I was kind of like, yeah, it sounds kind of interesting. Let's you know, let's talk a bit more. So after talking for a while, they said, do you mind if we use the original people that did, you know, the original band basically? So I just thought about it. I said, well, you know what? They were involved when those songs were hits and everything. So yeah, let's take take a step back and make a different kind of greatest hits with the orchestra. Um, so basically, we got together in different studios. We, we didn't have to get together and actually play. We did it all in different studios. And because of today's technology, you know, that's kind of easy to do. So then they took what we'd done and they, they went and put an orchestra across it and sent it to us to listen to, and we went, yeah, great, put it out, it's great. So, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a hard album to make at all. It was stuff we'd all know. We knew how to play the songs. I think it only took us about two weeks to uh, complete the band part of it, and then another two weeks for the orchestra to to get involved in it and finish their part. Flock and Seagulls was so successful here in the United States. How, how um, you know, how did people catch on to to you guys at such an early stage? Um, when we first came over, we played colleges. Um, we came over with our friends. There were a band called Squeeze, and we played some colleges with them. And then we ended up just booking some small clubs. And we stayed in America. Uh, we were having like dance club hits and stuff like that in the early 80s. So we stayed uh, and we did about two or three hundred gigs. And then we ended up on tour with the police doing stadiums, you know, of 100,000 people a night. And it, we were just, hey, it's, you know, what else are we going to do with our lives? Go back and sit at home. So we just wanted to stay out and play. And I think the fact that we were very enthusiastic and the songs were right for the time, I think all the college kids and radio was looking for something different. MTV was out. I think all that helped to make us, you know, the band we are. Plus, of course, we were very fashionable and I had an incredibly good hairdo. I say. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's great, and, and people are still talking about it to this day. Like, it's I know, kind yeah. of a, a revival, right, of the '80s and and '90s. And do you feel like that's working for you guys? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, the the Lost '80s tour, you know, is is just 
uh, pure nostalgia, basically. All the bands are playing their hits. And um, it, the, the first two nights have been absolutely packed out. So there's a lot of interest. And I think a lot of that comes because bands don't really write songs anymore. They just get on a computer and, you know, they run down a drum beat and throw some vocals and stuff on it. So there's not that many songs out. It's their beats and their rhythms and there's hip-hop and stuff like that, but it's not nothing like the 80s. So it's definitely like the 60s was an era. The 80s is definitely an era of music. Music? Are you mostly write, writing on a computer now, or do you feel like the process is still the same as when you started? Well, you know, for me, the computer is just a tool. It's the way you record these days. Uh, some people like to go back and try and do it on tape, but it's it's much easier on a computer as long as you're in control of the computer, not the computer controlling what you can do then I think it's, uh, it, you know, it's possible to come up with good stuff. Uh, in a way, technology is the problem, and in an, another way, technology solves the problem. You know, so you can write stuff, record it at home, and it's good, or you can write stuff and record it at home, and it's rubbish. So it's, uh, there's no filter anymore. There's no record company people to go, I like this band, let's sign them up and do it. You just do it yourself and put it out, and somehow some bands get hits and other bands don't. It's a completely different way of doing things to what I grew up with and how the band was when we first started. People find out more about you guys online. I, I had a, a hard time finding the official page. <laughs> um, yeah, you know... It, it, I didn't grow up with the internet, so to me, although it's it's useful and it's fun, it's not where I focus. You know, it's uh, it's like people these days that they tend to now go, oh, if you want publicity, you've got to get on Facebook and you've got to do internet stuff. Which to me, that kind of stuff is alien. You know, um, it's out there because of, we have a 30-year history of being a band, but it's not like I can be bothered to run it. You know, so so people put their own pages up. Fans are on their own pages, and um, good on them. Takes the, takes the workload off me. I don't have to think about it too much. Like free publicity. <laughs> it is, you know, and, and if fans want to talk about the band by starting a page, then, yeah, we, we can join in and say what we want. Um, but we don't have to run it, and that's the great thing for me is I don't want to be sitting up every day for two hours going, oh, I must I must do this on the, the web and I must do that, you know, because um, fans are doing it all, and it, it actually makes it interesting for me. They come up with photos they took 20 years ago and I, that I've never seen. It's a great It's a great place for browsing and grazing and stuff like that, but... Uh, it's not my favorite place to be. You know, I'd rather be sitting in front of my keyboard playing than sitting on the internet playing. Spirit. <laughs> mm. Where do you see the band going in the next few years? Um, well, obviously, there's going to be more nostalgia. Um, but 
I think the band itself and those songs, they're from an era. And, you know, people want me to recreate that era, and I just don't think you can do it. So the band is different now, and we may make a, a Seagulls album that's today's Seagulls. Um, I'll be making another solo album. There's, uh, there's all kinds of possibilities, but, you know, the main thing is really just to have fun cruising around playing. That's why you joined the band in the first place. The fact that it was so successful was just icing on the cake. Memory of playing in San Francisco. Pardon? Memory of playing in the Bay Area. Well, you know, we'll look playing. Uh, we'll we'll play there. We'll have a great time there. People should come out to the show and dress up like the eighties and uh, pretend it's the eighties all over again. Because for three or four hours of their night, it will be. And um, it's a time, you know, the eighties. You could go crazy and no one said anything. So let's have that when we play there. Let's have people come out and forget that it's two thousand. And 18 and go back to 1982 or 84 or whatever was their favorite um, year of the 80s. And they've all got to dress like seagulls and do seagull haircuts. Okay, I'll do my best. I have long hair, so maybe I'll do it like you were. <laughs> uh, yes, go, go make yourself a little cardboard wig, you know, <laughs> and put it on. It's so easy to find these days. <laughs> yeah, just make it. <laughs> just go, go buy a cheap wig and chop it up and stick glue on it and stuff like that. It is. It'll be great. Doing uh, the John Peel session. Yeah, that was very, very early on in our, um, in our, you know, creating stuff. Um, John Peel did a lot of really great underground. Uh, music, you know, he he'd find bands that were on the very verge, and he'd give them a chance to be on radio. Um, the one thing I do remember about the John Peel sessions is we got there and we had no instruments, and we had to just pick up what was around and and play them. So it was quite quite stressful in that way. Whoops. Hold on, folks. Time for part two. How oh, technology. Hello? Are you there? Me? Yeah, hello? Awesome. Are you driving under a bridge again? Yeah, we're going through a bunch of them right now. Oh, we're, just, we're just leaving Chicago, and uh, it seems like there's a bridge every 100 yards or something like that. So. Oh, my God. I know how that is. The East Coast is like that, too, right? Like Maryland? Um, yeah. Yeah, once you get into the built-up areas, it's, it's just kind of... But then again, San Francisco is like that, too, right? This is true. Lots of <laughs> tools, lots of yeah. tools. That's all controls. Yeah. It's almost like a, a fantasy type fairy tale over here. Yeah, we just went under a bridge then and it disappeared, so um All right, so what else do you want to ask me? Oh, um we were talking about John Peel and how you guys didn't have any instruments. 
Yeah, but, you know, it was daunting. It was scary because it was John Peel and he was famous. But yes. we just we just got up and did our thing. And uh, hang on one sec. Mm-hmm. And it worked out really good for us, you know. And I and I I know that they released it on a record a few years ago. Okay. Um, so it must have been pretty good, you know. And yeah. it, the the funny thing was that although we had no instruments, we knew the guy that was producing the session. So. It, that that helps us to like calm down and mm-hmm. you know just work things out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When we first started as a band, John Peel was so far away from what we thought we could do, you know. Huh. And then it was, when we did it, it was like, wow, we must be really getting somewhere now, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, yeah, so you guys are going to be playing at the Mountain Winery on September 1st. Yeah. And it sounds like we can expect some of the hits, if not most of them. Yeah, it's, you know, it's the whole night is based on bands and their hits. So yes. um, we'll be playing, um, you know, it's energetic, it's, it's full of life. It's uh, Even I enjoy it. So, I mean, you know, and I've been playing these songs for 30-odd years, so... You know, my reaction is if people out there are enjoying it, then I'm mm-hmm. going to enjoy it. So, you know. Absolutely. And what inspired you to become a musician? How did that come about? Um, I don't really think I'm a musician because I don't, you know, I'm not like a really good player. I'm just good at playing my own stuff. Um, <laughs> well, you know, a real musician, you'll, he will play you any song. He'll work it out uh, right here. Um, but I just play my own stuff. What what really got me into it was I was a hairdresser. Yes. And I used to have people come in from bands, and they would, you know, get their hair spiked up and all that stuff, punked up and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then they'd say, come and see us, you know, and playing at the local clubs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I would go in there, and I'd watch them, and I'd say to myself, I could do that. So um, eventually, you know, uh, um I picked up a bass guitar and started playing bass. Mm-hmm. And um, I had this one guy that I used to do his hair, and he said, oh, I'll teach you to play. And he said, I'll come round to your house. So he said, do this on the bass. And he played mm-hmm. some little thing, and I did it. He goes, there, you can play the bass. That's it, you're done. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I just went on from there, and my whole attitude yeah. after that was, if you can get anything out of any instrument, you, you know, you mm-hmm. can be in a band. So uh, uh, when I joined, started playing with other people, mm-hmm. I didn't think of what they wanted to do. I just thought about, oh, I've got this idea for a song. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I started writing original stuff, you know, and and over time, I guess I got quite good at it. Mm-hmm. What did you think of other bands uh, from Liverpool at the time, like Echo and the Bunnymen and OMD? Uh, horrible. No, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, obviously, um, you know, they were in the, in their own genre. Echo and the mm-hmm. Bunny Men were on the darker end of things. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like Bring On the Empty Horses and stuff, great song. Mm-hmm. Um, OMD were having hits and they were, they were more in our vein. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had their own individuality and of course they were from Liverpool, so we were, we were proud of them that they were bringing Liverpool back to life, you know, as far as music is concerned. 
Um, there were lots of other local bands that didn't make it mm -hmm. um, that we liked, but we didn't count ourselves as a part of the Liverpool scene or the Liverpool clique. Mm -hmm. We wanted to get out. You know, a lot of bands in Liverpool wanted to conquer Liverpool and be known as local heroes, mm -hmm. whereas our idea was the world. What's yes. the use of being a rock star if you can't conquer the world? Right. You know, so um, mm -hmm. so we worked in a completely different way. Uh, and, and strangely enough, you know, you choose your own pathway and it'll work. We, mm -hmm. did, you know, lots of local bands became local heroes. We we left and became, you know, in quotes, world famous um, because we were so different. Absolutely. And it's funny that you were mentioning that you don't think of yourself as a musician technically, but you guys still won a Grammy. So that's pretty amazing. It, it is, but, you know, I didn't sing on the Grammy song, so does that mean mm -hmm. I'm not a singer? You know, we didn't get a Grammy for anything I sang on, so, uh -oh. you know. Mm -hmm. But that's well, just my little joke, <laughs> yeah, Grammy yeah. joke. Right. Um, getting a Grammy was... Uh, we we didn't really know what a Grammy was, you know. Mm -hmm. If we'd have known, I think we would have gone to California or wherever the Grammys were yeah. and accepted it because we could have said thank you to America for accepting us as a band, yeah. making us successful. But uh, we never got to do that. And I don't think on my next Grammy, I'll pick it up and say thank you. That's what I was going to say. The story continues, right? You're still yeah. writing your novel. Yeah. <laughs> now I don't want one as a band. I want one for myself. I'm going to be greedy. There you say, go. I want a Grammy just for me. <laughs> well, cheers to that. <laughs> right. All right. Well, thank you, Mike, so much for your time. And looking okay. forward to um, your upcoming show at the Mountain Winery on September 1st. Okay, I'll, I'll see you there if you get there. All right, have a good one. All right, thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. That was an awesome interview, and I can tell because I was super excited to interview Mike Score, a lead singer of A Flock of Seagulls. I mean, come on. <laughs> Who wouldn't be excited about it? Oh, geez. But anyways, um, that was the Lost 80s Festival that I went to uh, last year. 2018 and I think it's going to be happening again it's pretty successful so they must do it like once a year like over the summer Labor Day weekend that sort of thing mountain uh not mountain view mountain winery I always get mountain winery and mountain view intertwined but it's the mountain winery people make sure you get there early so you can get like a nice dinner there's a beautiful view of like the San Jose area down there. Saratoga is like, I think, a, what do you call it? Like a suburb of San Jose, I want to say. Yeah, I'd say. Something yeah. like that. But definitely worth getting getting there early, get some drinks, get some dinner, see a couple bands. Make sure you don't rent, uh, hit any deer, though. You know, there's, Ooh, yeah. mm -hmm. there's deer there. My friend and I, we, we almost killed some deer by accident. <laughs> Yep. Deer and headlights. Yeah, yeah, literally. Literally. My headlights broken actually in my car. I was like, deer and headlights. No. My left my left uh, headlights broken. Bummer. 
But um, yeah, so I'm I'm actually gonna this week I'm gonna listen to your podcast. Oh great, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a little weird, honestly. Is it? It's a little weird. I I don't know if you should listen to it. But <laughs> okay, if you don't want me to, I won't. Yeah. I honestly was scared to death to listen to my own voice when I started here. Yeah. But now I listen to it and I'm like, oh, that wasn't the best, or that was a really great show, or that was a terrible fucking show. It just I, I kind of just do it as an exercise of my brain. It's it's fun and my words. Mm-hmm. It's fun. It's a nice exercise. It's. One of those things like uh, that your brain doesn't exercise that often. You just It's like a game kind of. Yeah, just get it out show, there. Show, game show. Yeah. It's a game show. Podcast. It's good just to get your thoughts out there, I think. Yeah. Like who fucking cares when anyone thinks you're just putting yourself Yeah, out it's there. it's it's mutiny PCR collective. PCR collective. <laughs> <laughs> Not very serious like uh Pam Benjamin talks about uh like uh, circumcision, so I'm like, oh, I can talk about whatever I want. <laughs> Pam Benjamin's like, I take a shot of whiskey out of a uncircumcised penis, and I'm like, okay, okay, Pam, <laughs> you, you you set the parameters for my podcast. I'll say whatever the f I want on my shit. Good. She makes it Pam. wonderful for all of us, and I think she's in. Uh, I think she's in Portland right now. Yeah, she's her, on tour, doing her stand up. So props to her. Keep keeping it going. And um, that must be really fun. Yeah, I want to. I want to. I want to work on my stand-up uh, kind of a identity. Are you? Are you? I've tried it a couple times, but I, I felt yeah. hella nervous. So, is it yeah. is it nerve-wracking? Like having people just sitting there like this? It's it's you? mostly um, staring out into the crowd. Is <laughs> the weirdest part? It's like. <laughs> So, yeah, so you guys, just lean in and like yeah, and you can't even re- you can't really you can't really hear yourself uh, on the mic when you're up there, mm-hmm. which is tough. I can if, if I could hear myself, I think I'd be more comfortable. Like this, I can hear myself very well. Yeah, on this sure mic. The sure mic. I've seen. I think one of the best comedians I've seen live is Kathy Griffin. Oh, she's a transgender. Is she? Kathy Griffin? I think she's transgender, yeah. Really? I think she's had a lot of plastic surgery. Oh, okay. But I don't think she's transgendered. But, um, really? <laughs> Maybe she's, sure. I don't know. Uh, but I've seen her, I saw her with my mom, because she's from my mom's hometown. So we were like, let's go check her out. But she did, we made the mistake of seeing her back to back. So she did the exact same routine. There was nothing different about the routine the second time we saw her. Yeah. So I don't know how often do they change up their routine. Not that often. Yeah. But um, but hey, it's a uh, uh, Clusterfest. Speaking of comedy, Clusterfest is coming up. So I've never attended before. So I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be some big names there. Leslie Jones, Amy Poehler, Fred Armisen, Patton Oswalt. Ilana Glaser. Ilana Glaser. I've been watching. I started watching that show finally. I need to finish it. Oh, Broad Red, City. Broad City. It's, it's kind of about having fun in New York. Is, it's being in your that? late 20s, early 30s, just mm-hmm. kind of doing your thing. And, you know, right. all the things that happen in life, all the random crazy things that happen to you that happen to all of us. Right? Doesn't that kind of like shows like Portlandia and Broad City? Doesn't that ruin the experience of actually living there? Do you think people think living so. actually like people who live in New York or so. Portland? They're like, hey man, uh, that kind of ruined my uh, experience of living in that city. Maybe 
I don't know. know. That's a good question because I've never lived in Portland or New York. Yeah. So I don't know. But I made sure to watch Portlandia after I had experienced it. So then I was like, oh, yeah, like that, that makes sense. But then I found parallels to living here in San Francisco, believe it or not, right. certain things. So I don't know. I just, I think it makes things more relatable, but I wouldn't say it necessarily ruins the experience. Right. For yeah. me anyway. Me neither. I think it's just dope. Do you like comedians from San Diego? <laughs> I don't know any actually. So. I don't either. Where are they? Yeah. <laughs> we must find them. Uh, let's see. A uh, famous comedian from the Bay Area is W. Kamau Bell, who has a show on CNN. But he doesn't really... I mean, the show that he does is pretty serious. <laughs> I've watched it. Um, I don't know if he's famous. But he has a show on CNN, but it's much cool. more political. It's not really comedic. If that I feel like Comedy Central has a good uh, politi- comedy. political comedies. I really like... It's so funny. You know, The Daily Show... Back when John Stewart was hosting it, a lot of the the a lot of the comedians who are on that show are now really famous and have their own show. Samantha Samantha B, uh, Colbert, Steve Colbert, Colbert Steve Colbert, yeah. Colbert. Um, who's that other guy? The British guy. He's he the, he's uh, the tomorrow show, the late show. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> John Oliver. He's really popular now, but they all got their start on The Daily Show when I, I don't know if you watched it back then, 15 years ago. Really good. It's, it was a really good show, but I didn't realize it while I was watching it because there wasn't really anything like it. But now it's like, right. you know, it's just all over the, you know. You, can you ever do- watch a Chappelle show at all? Yes. Chappelle? 2003 oh, to 2005. Oh my God. So funny. Yeah. When he did the, I think the highlights literally are Prince, Lil John, and uh, what was the other one he did that was good? I like uh, the homeless skit with the the uh, the class and like the poo poo on the floor. <laughs> I think I've probably seen that. But when he does the, I think I liked when he did the impressions. Those were like, yep. I mean, you can find it on social media easily. YouTube. But I've actually seen him in person. You know that. Oh, he, chapeau. He does a lot of random stand-up here in San Francisco. But I saw him once. I was going to see a movie at the Metreon downtown, Mm -hmm. and he was in line. I guess he was, you know, doing one of his pop-up shows. He was standing in line at the movie theater, and somebody recognized him and was like, Hey, Dave, I'm such a big fan, blah, 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 blah. No, and apparently he does this. No, like, response. No, no nothing. Turns around, walks into the elevator to go up to the theater, and that was it. Just straight up ignore? Just straight up ignore it. I, I feel like, like people with those profiles just ignore people most I of the was, time. I was dumbfounded. I was like, wow, that was cold. <laughs> yeah. Chappelle. Chappelle. But I'm sure he would be hilarious, you know? Yep. Some people just like, I'm just doing this on stage, and then I'm a normal person when I'm off the stage. Yeah. Normal. What do you consider normal? To what standard? What were we talking about? <laughs> normal? I'm weird, okay? I know. I'm a weird person. I don't know. What's normal? I know, right? It's a sliding scale there. Exactly, exactly. I forgot to ask you, did you want to spin some tunes, or should we just do good old-fashioned? Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, I have a a couple of records here I I got from uh, San Diego. Nice. They've got some record stores down there, do they not? I got it from this place called Feel It Records. Check out Feel It Records. Okay, I'm looking them up. 
and oh, hold on let me shout out to feel it records oh, they're yeah. at 909 east street in downtown san diego okay. let me look it up let me look it up i'm gonna have to hit them up next time i yeah. go down there cool store they've I'll got play some, a record they have a, a cool venue that i've worked at before the belly up tavern in solano beach nice that was pretty dope like rolling stones have played their randomly play a record yeah i'll play a record Cool. This uh, record, like Lost Control. Oh, interesting. I like the the cover. C S I E E. Yeah. S I E. Here, let me cue it up. Alrighty. You can just talk. So exciting. Well, if you want to check out the Lost Eighties tour, definitely uh, find it on Facebook, and they'll definitely. Uh, let you know when it's coming. I think it's going to be, I want to say it's either the summer or Labor Day weekend. Don't quote me on it, but you can definitely, you know, find that shit online. Uh, but these interviews that I did with Wang Chung and I want to say Oingo Boingo, but that would be too good to be true. Uh, <laughs> Wang Chung, Drama Rama, and A Flock of Seagulls. It was an absolute honor, and the show is absolutely amazing. Definitely worth it. So stay tuned for How more. How do we? Uh, oh, it should be. I think it's two, channel two or channel one. Oh, oh there it is.
S-I-E, C. <laughs> and that was... B-side. It was a B-side. Let's hear, the, let's hear this B-side. Oh, there's a call. Somebody's calling oh, can you us. Can show me how to do the call thing? Yeah. You know how to do it? Yeah, I do. How do you do it? You have to press. Home? You have to press this button. Okay. Well, you answer it. And then, oh, you press on. Yeah. Press on and then and answer. Hi, you're on Mutiny Radio. Hello. Yes, Gail, who's this? This is, uh, hold on one sec. This is how, oh. you just press on? What's going on over there? Hey, how are you? This is, uh, I'm still speaking in a nursing center. But did you guys see the Big Bang final? The Big Bang final, the Warriors, or is that what you're talking about? You know, that, that show that was so famous. Oh, Big, Big Bang, Bang Theory? Theory? Yeah, Big Bang Theory, yeah. yeah. Did you see the ending of it? No, I didn't, no. Did, did you interested. I thought it was a, kind of like a flop. Right. Like Steinfeld, the last episode of that, you know. Yeah. I've actually, every time you've called, I've been in the studio. What is your name? What was that? What is your name? My name's Gail. Gail, yeah. Gail calls every time I'm here. Every time. Oh, I always tried to get on the air because I remember Ali Wong. She used to go to the same open mic. Now she advanced herself in the Netflix and everything. Awesome. Great. No reference to Ali Wong? Oh, I love Ali Wong. She talks about pregnancy, no? Yeah. Like, oh, skaters smell business. like uh, malt liquor, usually. Yeah. Yep, Ali Wong. Cool. All right, well, Gail, we're going to queue up another record. Uh, enjoy the Oh, rain. yeah, I'm always trying to get it on the... the I'm still trying wet. to make the score, as I say. Yep. All right, bye. All right, bye. Oh, my God, every time she calls. <laughs> We love Gail, but we are a music show, so we try and stick to the music. Keep it going. Uh, I hear it. I hear it. Ooh. song is not to Paolo's liking but we did like the other track I have to say I was done for it and you just you just chose this album based on the record cover um I usually just well wait let me get the mic (laughs) (laughs) I just think for it you you sift through the the rack Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's ambiguity with vinyl records there's lots of ambiguity going on with House records. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what's who's your favorite house artist? Um, shoot, house artist. Mm-hmm. I'm getting more into like a jungle footwork. I do uh-huh. like the librarian a lot. Uh-huh. But I love my house records. I love house records a lot. But lots of it is just like random artists you don't you can't find on the internet. That you can I find like. it on Discogs probably. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Is that a website? Yeah, it's a vinyl distribution website. Discogs, okay. To check it out. Yep. But yeah, I'm down for finding artists that aren't on the internet because they're probably true artists. <laughs> yeah. In a, in a weird way. Every store sounds different too, so that's always a treat when you're out in any city. Just go to a record store. They have aesthetic for show. Like aesthetic is there. What's your favorite record store in the Bay Area? Probably Groove Merchant Records in oh, Lorraine. Gotcha. I've Ran by uh, Chris Feltry. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Cool spot. He's been there for a while too. Ninety eight from came from Santa Monica. Ninety eight. Oh, you're from Santa Monica. Yeah. <laughs> I should probably talk to him. Yeah, you should reach out. He's usually there. That's amazing. Group merchant. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah, I've been there a couple times. I think my dad likes going in there. Does he? He has other stuff in there too, right? Or no, it's mostly house. It's a it's a wide selection. Lots of disco, soul, funk. I think I yeah kind of uh i think his sound is very uh that's my boy uh his sound is very uh i think uh i would say plastic and playful (laughs) this is my review of that store plastic and playful for sure lots of cool stuff going on there yeah he has a lot of like ghetto like ghetto tech stuff lots of funk Ooh, funky. But plastic and playful, Groove Merchant Records, yeah. Groovy kind of thing. Playful, yeah. <laughs> That's exciting. It's hard to, when when you say the word curation, you say curation, like people who own record stores curate, um, curate festivals. What curate is, festivals. How would you define curation? Is it is it to is organize. it to, to organize or put something in order so that the yeah. rest of the, the latter of the audience can enjoy it? Yes. That's how I would think of it. So it, it makes mm-hmm. the the consumption of of something more pleasure pleasurable. Is that yes. what the point of it? Or they think that there's something unique, something that people are gonna catch on to, or bring out bring out the best parts of something. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. That's curation, yeah. And that's that's what I think of. If you're a record store owner, if you're a musician, if you're putting a festival together, all of that's gonna be Jam. essential. <laughs> Yeah. The essential list as they like right now I'm just curating my SoundCloud on my YouTube and it's fun. There you go. Oh I did Stop, listen yeah. to I listened to some of the tracks that you had on. Oh yeah. SoundCloud. Original productions there. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Ableton Live, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Have you been getting a lot of hits and responses for that? Um Yeah. Plays here and there, you know. I people enjoy it. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's kind of a progression. Uh, I think the cool thing about my music is that you can see my progression and you can see my uh, improvements or right or what's the opposite of improvement sucking <laughs> <laughs> your de-escalation <laughs> yeah there's, there's no word for that Other, con, what's your, the what is the uh, an, what is the antonym of improvement like downfall Shitty? <laughs> yeah your, but it's uh, progression like I love I love progression your anti-progression. Yeah, because with my template now, it's very just yeah. hang out. Do you have a Facebook page for your? No, I, I don't think I've reached there. I, I'm oh. pretty small. I I don't think th- I think there's like not enough in my life for me to have certain channels. That I think now I'm just looking for like a crew of people I can party with usually. Party hardy. Well, that's curation for you. That's curation. And speaking of curation, uh, The Cure, or the lead singer of The Cure, Robert Smith, is 
curating a festival uh, that's going to be happening in late August. Uh, I think it's going to be over Labor Day weekend. So if you haven't bought your tickets, uh, do so now. It's called Pasadena Daydream. And I think it's happening in place of the other festival that I went to last year called Arroyo Seco. And that was really good. It was more like, um, you know, different. I don't know. It was it was different because it wasn't Robert Smith being involved. But it was really fun. I got to see uh, Jeff Goldblum. He does. Um, he's a famous actor slash comedian, and he um, is also a musician, a jazz pianist. Who knew? Um, I saw Third Eye Blind. I saw Alanis Morissette. I saw Neil Young. So it was kind of like you know cherry picking from different genres of music, and it was really fun. It was. You know, Coachella just isn't really my thing anymore, unfortunately. Was it ever your thing, Coachella? Yes. When I was was a teenager, I should have gone to Coachella when I had the chance, when it wasn't as well-known as it is now. Indio, California. Yes. But now it's definitely, it's probably something that you would be interested in just because of the artists that perform there. But back in the day, it was like The Cure, Susie and the Banshees, New Order, Amy Winehouse, you know, people that are dead, that are no longer alive, play this festival. (laughs) Leonard Cohen. Um, Leonard Cohen. But, um, Leonard. mm -hmm. But yeah, a friend of mine was telling me about when he went. I think it was like 2008 or something. Leonard Cohen played Coachella? He did. What, back when it was like, when it was. Long time ago. Long time ago. (laughs) And I was like, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) That's when I should have gone to the festival, mid to late 2000s. That would have been the the best time to go but now i'm okay with the smaller festivals there's going to be a free one here in june at uh potero del sol which is literally a few blocks down from here definitely check that out uh keep in mind it is free so there's probably going to be a slew of people but it'll be fun all the same it's called fono del sol i went to it two years ago they skipped last year but it was really fun it's more fun when it's not free i have to say but you know, yeah. if you're in the mood for some local music and you're down with crowds, definitely go check it out. They're probably going to have some some great food trucks. Curry Up Now is amazing. <laughs> oh, I love that place. I know. I have Tikka a, Masala mm-hmm, bites. I mm-hmm, love that. The burrito. <gasps> love Indian food. Yeah, it's so fresh, too. You're just like, oh, I just want to eat this every day. But then you're glad that you don't eat it every day. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's still good stuff. Anyways. Um, yeah, Clusterfest is coming up, the big comedy festival. If you're into that, get your tickets. And there's a bunch of festivals happening in SoCal. There's a lot of festivals happening in SoCal, so that's why I've been going there so often. There's the Ohana Festival. That's going to be in uh, late September. Riot Fest is in mid-September. That That's going to be happening in Chicago. They haven't announced the lineup yet, so TBD, folks, TBD. <laughs> Where's Gail calling from? Is she calling from like a retirement home? Or <laughs> I don't know. Did she just Hi, Gail. <laughs> did she just finish her uh, meatloaf with uh, oh, yeah. canterbury sauce? Like, For sure. God, I hate meatloaf. I don't know about you. Fucking yeah. Why would you make meatloaf? Meatloaf. <laughs> that's just like you had you had the option to create anything with yeah. your hands. Like oh, let's make some meatloaf tonight. Like, God, my mom cannot do it. Or I just, I don't have the palate for it. It tasted like cardboard. 
yeah meat like meatloaf is pork and pork is innately like very tasty and fatty and good mm-hmm. it's just like no it's like yeah i think my grandmother made it too she probably her, her cooking was pretty good actually nothing against my mom but the way my mom made meatloaf just made me hate it so yeah maybe that's a good thing <laughs> All right. Well, I think we have time for maybe a couple songs. What do you say? It's been a while. Um, I have a couple songs that are geared more towards the music, the music festival, the film festival that I went to a couple weeks ago. Um, but why the hell not? Just to get you in the mood for the rest of the weekend. Yeah. And I'll see you guys here at 10 p.m. I'll be on the air. My podcast. On Wednesday. No, it's tonight. My podcast is tonight. You're doing it tonight? I'm neighbors kind of with you. Saturday, I moved it to Oh, Saturday. I didn't know you moved it. 10 p.m., yeah. Oh, nice. All right. Well, stay tuned for that, folks. All right, guys. Ooh. Ooh. I don't Is there anybody in the car? Uh, yes, there was a backup safety driver, apparently. He that worries not. me with, with AI. Maybe it could, like, talk to the car and, like, just send it on a killing spree? <laughs> you don't think about that shit? Seriously?
I hadn't taken it to that what if, level. What I mean, why not drones? The whole fleet just drones. Went, went like headhunting, just going after people. <laughs> they got fucking those those cameras on the dashes, right? It's all on the computer, man. It's true. It wouldn't be that hard for the, the figure. Actually, I might with machine guns and lasers. Now they know I know about it. I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, as usual. The FTW, a scoop, a scoop. Uh, so Elaine Herzberg was struck at 40 miles per hour on a four lane street and died at the hospital. Short while later, the Volvo XC90 SUV was operated with software not of Volvo's manufacturer. So um, just last week, Uber and Waymo urged Congress to pass sweeping legislation to speed introduction of self-driving vehicles. How about that one, huh? Yeah, how about that? I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. What'd you say? Out <laughs> <laughs> of boy, George. <laughs> yeah, everything to do with that AI thing I was thinking about. It's like being here alone sometimes, honestly. I don't know. But if you seriously think about it, all these electric cars are coming out. They're all computer-driven. They all got Wi-Fi. It could easily hack into those things and, like, fuck somebody up. It's, they could send all kinds of fucked up shit from Amazon to your house. You're back fucking, on the whole... Uh, do all kinds of crazy shit. <laughs> uh, well, in the meantime, back in reality, George... Uh, yeah, keep it up, little man. It is an issue that's being brought in front of Congress, because we do need to address this. Because, I mean, what if it starts knocking people off motorcycles or, you know, pedestrians or you just got nailed, right? Maybe they should give them the, the bike lane. The bike lane. We yeah. just Uber and uh, drone cars only. Yeah, yeah. It seems fair. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, hey, the bicycles aren't paying for that fucking that lane. They don't deserve it. No, I agree with you there. They're, they, would, they're a special breed right so there. It would make so much easier. All those lanes could now become like pickup lanes, and you wouldn't have to worry about it because you know Uber would be over there like picking people up. Yeah, done deal. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Back to music. <laughs> Holy hey, there's shit. a big fire uh, in North Beach, right? This weekend, um, that got that got all the news. In Soma, they had a fire, and a man was found dead in an adult bookstore. Uh, fucking strange, right? And the owners of the place are like, "We well, don't know how he got there." What? Kind of weird. They found a dead body in a small fire. Like, there's a big North Beach fire this weekend. Are you aware of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fire department's getting a bunch of crap for their response to it, blah, blah, blah. Uh, They had a smaller fire over on, I think it was 111 6th Street. So it's that first block between Mission and Howard. No, second one. That whole block of 6th Street is. That whole whole corridor is just crazy. Fun. I think people are even worse there than they are on the Tenderloin. It's like you, you get kicked out of the Tenderloin, you go to 6th Street. Dude, it is weird, <laughs> sketchy. It doesn't though. smell as it's, bad as the Tenderloin, though. Yeah, very, very exciting stuff down there. Uh, so what else you got, George? Speaking of explosions. <laughs> <laughs> Jackass. <laughs> I got fuck all, dude. I've been working, man. Uh, we're not talking about work, so there you go. Gotcha. Oh, I cooked, uh, Wait a minute, you the, talked to one of the guys for the, that, for the union meeting. I cooked all that fucking meat. That was cool. I oh, did that yes, last you week. did. I did have some of that. Two hundred pounds good. of corned beef and slathered it with a mustard sauce. It was delicious. Ooh, I'm, I'm a little backed up, man. I ate too much meat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't bring any tonight. <laughs> if anybody's got a solution, please uh, call in. Talk yogurt. To, talk to Steve. Yogurt. Eat healthy. He's yeah. the only one that can At number 415-550-0511. Tell Steve what I need to do. He's the only one that can comfort me. <laughs> Get old tree in, George. Whatever. Mm, I especially enjoyed that one. Let's see what's next. 